1: At last, boom boom, 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 Hello, my name is Aaron Alexander, and welcome back to the Line Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander. <laughs> uh today i got to chat with uh james lambert from from london he is a ex bare knuckle fighter undefeated bare knuckle fighter i might add turned motivational speaker um, personal trainer, just inspirational, motivational guy to be around, and uh, we got into some really, really fascinating stuff. This guy is really very pleasant to chat with. Uh, super beautiful energy, really, really high energy, and uh, we got into what did we get into? His conversion between being a angry, aggressive, bare knuckle scrapping fella turned uh, a happier, better leaf. Uh, motivational speaker slash writer slash just really really wonderful human being and uh, we got into how to balance your emotions the power of various these various different masks that we wear call them happiness sadness anger whatever it may be Um, we got into all the seedy underbellies of the bare knuckle fighting circuits and just what that is Uh, So when I say I
0: was prepared to leave my life that I was, and most people I believe they could see that in my eyes. So let's get it right. The battle was won. It was won in the head long before I ever stepped, long before I bunched up my fist. And that's very interesting. So how I trained for it was, I didn't call it meditation at the time, but I used to, I suppose it was a form of what an elite athlete would call visualization. I went through the fight in my mind. I always saw the opponent as like a, a nameless shadow because they're not being true to that most authentic self or that part of their selves. That's what I did for so long. Indeed, I actually wore a mask for so long that it became my identity for a time. This is very interesting that you can actually act your way into a way of being. I don't. Um, Find distinction amongst, or oh, whether it was fighting in the ring or in the field, with gloves or without, whether it was a cage fight or with rules or without rules. For me, it was all like a dance with life, and I was very, very lucky at an early age to to be told by someone. You, know, I, of course, like every young man, I thought, well, it's the fist that delivers the blow; it's the fist that has the power. And he said, no, James, it's from the gut. The energy is from the ground. Now how that's translated like the beautiful work you do is in the efficiency and economical movement
1: of the body. I am curious what people's fears are. We spend too much time talking about how great our lives are and how fantastic everything is and how my story is more interesting than your story. What about the stuff that we're insecure about? The fear that I have found in myself in reflection upon this new year I think that one of my greatest fears is uh, fear of my own potential I think that I see that in the rest of the world as I'm walking around here most of us prefer to be masked by our cell phones masked by our laptops in our little bubbles it's like a shroud of sorts and that is my resolution for the new year. It's not give a shoot about other people's criticism, not give a shoot about other people laughing at me, giving a dang what I'm doing. That is what we're shooting for inside my my crazy little mind here. Um, yeah, there's a really interesting phrase or quote that I like. It's in birthing, the birthing process there will be blood and I think that that is something that we have to give into and be comfortable with is that if you want to explore your greatest potential, you're going to have to get out of the box of normalcy normalcy is broken normalcy is complete waste of time, get the heck as far away from it as humanly possible and uh, get weird Conor McGregor freaking love conor mcgregor
0: it's a beautiful feeling when, when preparation meets opportunity you know nothing nothing is impossible you know what i mean you can you can achieve anything i'm going to continue going on this journey and if the title shot is next i will take it if not at the end of the day i already feel like that is mine i already feel like that belt is mine so eventually one by one i will get every single one of them until there is no one left and then I will decide what to do from there, but the belt is already mine, I feel.
1: So I want us to recognize that modern culture in general, there's some little pockets in modern culture that are phenomenal, Um, but in general, in general, it's a crab bucket. When you, if you ever see it, check it out on YouTube, really interesting. And you see crabs in a bucket, the crabs that try to escape and crawl out of the bucket, they end up being pulled back in by the rest of them. They'll cut each other's limbs off to pull them back in so that they can all die together. And that is the crab bucket that we are living in. When someone laughs at you, when someone criticizes you, when you have a dream that you think is you know bigger than possible in your friend group, and your friends will end up Pulling you back into the bucket. Get the heck out of the bucket ASAP. It's time to change it up. Change is dependent upon those of us willing to be different. Let's make it happen. Um, please check out the website, align Therapy.com. On there, you will find hundreds of free videos on self care and functional movement. You will find the foam roller self care kit. Balls, bands, everything that your little heart could desire in the realm of self-care, auto cuidado in Spanish. And uh, what else do we got on there? We got the blog, which is where I am documenting my movement journey here. So I've been documenting stories about uh, human castle stacking. Flamenco has been a pain in the butt to find because it's holiday season and there's no freaking classes on flamenco, but I'm still working on finding flamenco. Um, and variously, I'm looking forward to oil wrestling in Turkey <laughs> really looking forward to that um, Please utilize the Amazon portal and the website, that's helpful Please subscribe, share with your friends and family I hope this is helping you as much as it's helping me And um, yeah, it's just uh, reviews, comments, all that stuff I so greatly appreciate that and, um, quote, quick quote from Joe Campbell, who, again, has been super, super sweet in my life here. Um, in religion, one speaks of the fear of God and the love of God. Fear of God will block you. Love of God will carry you on. If you can do something that you love to do without fear of criticism, you will move. You will find joy in it. You do not have to move more than an inch to feel the joy. My Kindle just turned off as I was ready. (laughs) More Lynch to feel the joy. Well, that was good. So, uh, check that out. Uh, Joe Campbell. He's rad. And feel the inch. (laughs) (laughs) Feel the inch. If you are moving even an inch forward, that's it. That's all we need. Every moment while you're drinking your coffee, you can explore movement in your toes. You can explore movement in your ankle hinge. You can explore movement of your pelvis. Do you have full fluid range of motion through every aspect of your pelvis, of your elbow, of your fingers, every articulation in your body? What's that look like? What's your body map? What's the sophistication, your kinesthetic fluency throughout your system? You have all day to work on this stuff. Then we can read. We can explore each other's minds. We can get excited about this world. Most of us are waiting to die. I would love to see us, Carpe the freaking Diem, get after this day. It's raining here in Tarifa, Spain, and uh, I'm going to focus on learning Spanish and moving my body around and uh, reading books and, as opposed to pouting that it's going to rain or that it is raining, actually. Um, thank you so much for tuning in. I greatly appreciate your participation in this world of Align Podcast and Align Therapy and all that stuff. Here we go. Back. To the interview. Brr, 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 brr,
0: Align Podcast.
1: I've never been to Europe before. I'm I'm total virgin. I'm actually uh, a, a sexual virgin as well. So that I should, <laughs> I should hopefully I'll be able to <laughs> to tie up all those loose kittens oh, all up in uh, one shot. Well, why not? You yeah, know, why not? Why? That's my thought. All right. So uh, let's let's try. Is there anything in particular you would love to chat about, Mr. Lambert? No, I, I'm I'm in your hands, you know. Just yes, what, what, uh, you're in my you're you're in my soft, supple, virgin hands.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> just yeah, whatever, whatever you think. Uh,
0: you know, I've checked out some of your work. Okay. And obviously, the the audience they're they're pretty cool. They're pretty broad thinkers. Right. That they, they they seem to be very much about living life to the max. They like their fitness, and um, yeah, if I can contribute anything of value, that'd be my honor. Awesome, man. Wonderful. How did you get
1: into podcasting, may I say? How did... Oh, uh, mainly, I just love hearing myself talk, you know? So yeah. I was, you know, it just started with that. And then it spawned into... No, it was... It was um, honestly, I just got into it just because I wanted, I, I wanted to connect with people all around the world. And, yeah. uh, you know, so that was, that was the big thing. And so then having the idea of creating a business or career around talking about stuff that I find to be valid or relevant, you know, to my own life, you know, so yeah. what it does is, it, is it, it necessitates me to do research on this, these topics that I find to be really interesting that I would want to research anyway, you yes. know, and so finding every time you read in a book, every time you, you know, whatever it may be, some, most of the stuff that I read relates to some type of, self-betterment something or another, whether it be physical, emotional, financial, whatever it may be. And so I was like, shoot, I want to talk to these people, (laughs) you know, like they wrote the book. I want to talk to them now. And that was really what, that was really essentially what it was. And then, and then it all, it all stems back to my, you know, my self care, functional movement business, which is the the products. And then I have the courses and all that stuff. So it all kind of loops back, but the, the podcast mainly is selfish. You know, because it makes it allows me to talk to people like yourself. And then as well, it's helpful because I'm creating legitimate content that's just not my ridiculous, you know, schizophrenic voice all day long. Like, we need to hear other people that are less crazy than me talking about this stuff. Well, I don't know
0: about less crazy, but
1: it's not for me to say. Right. So, anyway, we get going. Um, So, James Lambert, thanks so much for coming on, man. I appreciate it. I, uh, I so I learned about you watching the I think it was Vice maybe was it there's like this or something like that there was there was bare knuckle boxing documentary and I'm really into I wouldn't call it fighting I'm into I'm into movement you know so mm. all varieties so watching you know fighters are really really good movers man and you're a hell of a mover man you you are fast <laughs> you know like watching how fast you are man it's like it's incredible so I'm I'm curious about your training background I'm curious about all that but uh, I'm really curious. How did you get into bare knuckle fighting? Like that's some gruesome stuff, man.
0: Absolutely. Well, it was. Again, we were we were speaking, sort of about you know how one's environment can shape you. Right. And I think it's fair to say, although I assume 100% responsibility of my actions and everything I've done in my life, Aaron. It's fair to say that where I grew up was a very very tough urban environment. And I say that to say this that one of my earliest memories indeed was actually in primary school. And I, I could have been, actually, this was a nursery site, so predates actually the, the primary school. And you know, you have one of those little Wendy houses, you may have had them where you pretend, have the pretend cup of tea and you're, you know, you're interacting with the, the other I,
1: little boy. I played with dolls growing up. It's, <laughs> <laughs> that's a real <laughs> thing. Didn't we all? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, but, you know, and I remember distinctly. This other little chap coming over, you know, he, he was in early training to be a bully and he was trying to push me and get this kettle <laughs> off of me. And I was thinking, even at that age, I was thinking, I'm not having it. And it sort of underlined this feeling to be the wolf and not the sheep. Right. And as I say, that was just a little example. But of course, the narrative, it gets to be a bit more condensed, the older one got because of course then it became one's identity and getting into the fighting uh, unfortunately I often say it seems for the world uh, without exaggerating I came into this very world fighting I was born seven weeks premature I was fighting for my very life I was whisked away from my mother before we could even bond which obviously modern nursing modern science tells us is a very bad start indeed that that bonding in early days is very important and I mention that again because to put it in context I believe that in part that led to my alienation I always felt distinctly different not just only in my creative thoughts but in in my very being I felt like I was always the black sheep of the uh, of society indeed Mm. and of course it only got worse because as I travelled through school it was as if Aaron for all the world my bad so-called bad behaviour got me attention and the good behavior was ignored and it's a tragic malaise but it, it was what it was and as I says, the older one got such was my discontent and unhappiness I covered my fear if you like the only way I knew how which was projecting that in a hostile manner and all it was doing was covering enormous enormous amounts of fear but, but as a man growing up I, these were the examples that were given to me. You know, real men don't cry, real men handle their problems physically. And taking nothing away, you know, when I was younger, I did enjoy it. I did enjoy that, that feeling of so called power, that exerting physical influence over another human brought. However, that quickly powered into insignificance when I realized that the greater game is the inner work, the inner work, you know, marshalling one's own
1: emotions. Yeah, awesome, man. Have you? Done, I'm curious if you've done any any work into kind of just experiencing or analyzing or understanding, tapping into what happened as you were a baby and growing up. Because it's like, I, th- I don't know if a lot of people realize this, but it's like we're essentially in a hypnotic state for, for most of our life, but especially when you're a baby. You know, when you're first coming out, like your, your brain waves, you're, you're essentially in a psychedelic trip. You know, we're in this theta f- wavelength or brain frequency where it's like, we are taking in this world, and we're being hypnotized, and we are taking in 100% of the information that we receive. As we get older and our brains start to develop, we have more differentiation the ability to, you know, the capacity to say, like, you know, that's good, that's bad, that's bad, that's good, that's good, you know, and and have that deciphering. But as a baby, you just take it all in. You know, so, has that has that been anything that you've, like, you've looked at with yourself at all? It's kind of a weird thing to look at, but it's... It, people no, it. It, it, it's, uh, it holds a, a enormous interest to me. Moreover... The, the work I do
0: with the clients, it, I I find it particularly useful, particularly useful, Aaron, to facilitate positive change in them. So I'm not going to lie. I yes, I did to answer your question. I did look into it for myself, but I quickly realised with respect to various forms of therapy and psychoanalysis and counselling, they can only go as far as they go. And for me, it was really about deciphering my own how I felt about it right. because. It, with respect, I don't think having. I don't like rigidity. When Bruce Lee spoke about be like water, yeah. I, I, I see that as well with fixed mindsets. So it wasn't just alluding to the physical way we move right. very fluidly. Right. It was like if you take a particular, say, Freudian thought or just stolt therapy, it, you're bound by the, the rigidity of the, the concept. So what I'm saying is, I, I, I find any one way too restrictive. So there's value in all of them, but I think it's a blend of all of them that that really got me more excited. So I don't like looking too much at one's early development and saying, "Oh, that's why you did that." No, That would be, with respect, in my humble opinion, that would be overly simplistic. It has merit, and as I already alluded to earlier, one's environment did distinctly shape me to an extent, but notwithstanding, this is very, I'm very big on this, Aaron, because a lot of young men I talk to today, you can have a tendency to completely blame one's upbringing and environment, and I believe that that does not withstand or withhold one's own personal
1: responsibility and mindset, yeah. you know, choice is choice. Sure. You know? Yeah. So we do that with alcoholism. We do that with drug addiction. We do that with, you know, I think depression and all sorts of different, you know, any time that we're pathologizing the human state, you know, I think that we're doing that, you know, we're we're saying, oh, okay, well, you have the depression, you have the alcoholism, you have the thing. So therefore, this is the thing that you're going to be dealing with the rest of your life. You know, throw your seatbelt on, get ready for the ride. Here you go, bud. You know, but I, th- I think that, you know, use the analogy. It's not, it's not zebra's change, it's stripes. Or does it Cheetahs change changed their, whatever it is. You know, it's like we, we think that we can't change, you know, but I think that a big thing is to stopping that habituality of these patterns that we repeat is really stepping outside of that and recognizing that it's, it's, it's an outside this emotion, this feeling, whatever it may be. It is not me. It's something that I'm playing with. It's something that I'm experiencing. Yes. Yeah, that's very well said, Aaron. I love that. And it's very important. Um,
0: what struck me again is, is is saying, you know, I am. So you're reinforcing. You touched upon very, very um, articulately about an alcoholic. Now, they keep on reinforcing. I am an alcoholic. I am an alcoholic. Now, where in that g- does it denote the possibility of change? Right. You see, exactly. I, I, I think that. now with respect to the program, I know it has helped many. My, my, it's not to bash any AA program as such. But, but what I believe, moreover, is that an individual must never see themselves as being a fixed anything.
1: Right.
0: A, a, anything. A, a fixed um, alcoholic or. um... Addict, or just a, a negative thinking person. If I did that, I, I I would have already given up. You know, I would have never changed. The point is, you, you you know, I am. You know, what what sort of follows those two words are very powerful. So I would choose to say, I am sort of a you know a happy individual living carefree without uh, drink or drugs, rather than reinforcing I am an
1: alcoholic. Right.
0: I believe it's quite profoundly important yeah you
1: know? I, I reference alan watts like almost every podcast i think <laughs> because he is the, the best everything that I, I don't like superlative words but like everything that alan watts has ever said i'm pretty sure i agree with <laughs> you know and one, one of the one of the things that he he mentions that i think is just such a beautiful analogy is that human beings are like football teams You know, it's like, I like the Packers. I like the 49ers. You don't know the Packers of the 49ers. You like the logo. You like the brand. You know, so it's like, that's what a human is. It's like, I am not the same as I was a month ago, two months ago, whatever. The 49ers are not the same team that they were 10 years ago when you actually knew who that team was. Now they're following that same mold, perhaps. You know, they have that wear the same colors, but it's a completely different team. You know, I think that's the thing that we need to recognize in ourselves is that we're constantly trading out players in this team that we, that we call, you know, James Lambert, Aaron Alexander. You know, it's like I think that we need to, to recognize that, like, we have the choice to change it. You know, so I'm curious with you, like, what – so you were pissed. You know, what, what, what do you think you were so pissed off at? And how did you come to a, an understanding of, like, how do I shift this that I'm not dwelling in how freaking angry I am all the time?
0: Well absolutely I think the in part one's unhappiness was there was a disconnect between who I truly was you know what I talk, I am peace I am love James Lambert was always a peaceful loving child always right. now because I was fearful it, Regardless of what the circumstances are, Aaron, the, the, the bottom line was I was afraid to be my truest self. Why? Because, you know, nice people where I grew up didn't seemingly get on. You know, they could be bullied and so on. Right. It was all a projection of the ego. Right. The point being, I projected, I used my fear and covered it in an overtly uh, physical, ma- masculine way. Yeah. Now, here, here is the dichotomy because, because that wasn't truly me there became a disconnect, a schism if you like, that directly led to my unhappiness. I believe if any of us, take take people that are in profoundly uh, unhappy relationships or jobs they despise, yeah. at some point there's energy leakage, you know, they go home and they watch a ton of pornography or they drink a load of alcohol, why? Because they're not being true to that most authentic self or that part of themselves. That's what I did for so long. Indeed. I actually wore a mask for so long that it became my identity for a time. This is very interesting. That you can actually act your way into a way of being. What's actually very positive is that I then began to do so to be, as I know now, Mr. Happy, the leopard who changed his spots. Mm. I began to act, sorry, first thought the the, the thoughts preceded the action. I thought differently, I changed my behavior, and lo and behold, we have what we do today. Mm. But, But as you say, it's, it's very important. What, what, what led to that malaise was in, was in great part my unhappiness at letting my true self shine. When I'd begun to allow myself to do that, still somewhat fairly recently, th- there, was no, there was no, the anger dissipated. Or well, moreover, if it was there at all, I, I respected it as just energy. Energy is neither good nor bad. It can be, however, harnessed to be useful or unuseful. So I just took that anger, I took the energy, whereas before I may beat other people with it, I now spread love. I just see it as energy. So I'm like a modern day alchemist, just using the pain and now creating something beautiful. Right.
1: Yeah, it's like the, the mask with Jim Carrey, you know, when he, puts the, when he puts the mask on, you know, when you hold it in your hand, it's like, yeah, it's just a mask, whatever. Then you put it on your face and I, you know, becomes your whole entire system. And I yeah. think that that's something, this is something that I, I've noticed in, my, in myself, you know, is like I have a, a fairly large-ish personality at times, you know, and so that's something that I'm able to hide behind, you know. And it's something that it's like as far as like tapping into like a more emotional self or, you know, all these different other, other ends of the spectrum, a person that has these tools or these masks, it's easier for that person to just continue hiding behind that mask. You know, my curiosity w- in regards to you is, you know, was there some transition of like taking the mask of being Mr. Bare Knuckle, you know, I'll, I'll punch you in the throat guy to being Mr. Happy? Is Was the Mr. Happy, was that just another mask that you're still kind of, you know, toying with both ends of that? Or was, do you know what I'm saying? Is that? Uh, no, I do. But... Uh... If if it's if it's to as it is a a mask today, no, not at
0: all. Awesome. And um, previously, so so what what was that specifically? Let me not misunderstand. So the, the question.
1: I, my, that was I because I asked that question like shit is why it's the. <laughs> my my curiosity is how do we differentiate, or maybe, n- disallow ourselves from just putting on another mask, you know, instead actually ditching all the masks getting into a more genuine expression of myself and yeah. not just layering on. Because I think what happens with happiness, you know, I, happy is kind of like a trigger word for me sometimes. It's like, because it's like, I think it can sometimes invalidate other emotions. You know, like I it's just, okay to feel sad. It's okay to feel angry. It's okay to feel all these other things. You know, so absolutely. how do we make the, the, that happiness, you know, or you just started, like you like, you've mentioned that you like the word joy. You know, it's like a it's, more of, of a deeper term. You know, is. like how do we make that really be us as opposed to just being putting on another mask and now
0: it's a great question and, and i'm glad you touched upon that because happiness with respect that is the very generic term that i use because it's the most easily understood to the masses with respect right. now happiness I you often use this analogy like to the weather happiness is literally like the clouds now you have clouds in my analogy that are both happy and sad now they're fleeting the clouds will come and go the clouds will come and go however to use my analogy if the sky in my weather analogy if the sky is joy now I liken joy is always there that's not dependent on the weather the sky may be dark the sky may be light but it's indifferent to the clouds the clouds are the changing emotions I believe for what it's worth and and certainly in my experience that joy is actually a human beings innate state Mm. now yes we can go very far away from that as I indeed did But you see, they are the emotions, the masks we wear. Joy is the perpetual state. That is the essence of your being. So in order to fully understand that, so so the the clouds in the analogy, all the things you feel, sadness, um, happiness, indifference, anxiety, you name it, thousands of different um, emotions. The important distinction I feel now, Aaron, in my life at this juncture is not to label them. Labeling when you're in kindergarten, when you're a young boy or girl, it's very useful. You know, the the sky is blue, the grass is green. With respect, I get that. As we grow older, we have to see it's so much more multifaceted than that. So, what's first of all wrong, uh, unhelpful, I should say, is to label any emotion as being good or bad. Right. So to to to, to fill out my um my point, to give some context. When I feel angry now, instead of, oh, I feel angry, oh, I don't want to go back to Mr. Angry. No, I feel it. But herein lies the the truest, I feel it fully. See, before, I would feel it, albeit temporary, and then blow up, as you say, hide behind a mask of anger. I now feel it. Feel What is it trying to tell me, Aaron? And that's okay. Don't be fearful of it. You can feel afraid, but beneath that surface layer, there is a strong teaching a strong teaching if you would but just listen to it so as i say masks they are like the the everyday emotions we feel they're fine but your true self your stronger self your most unstoppable self that is joy you get, you get to become familiar with that by stop labeling emotions as either good or bad, they just are, right. and go with them. When you feel them absolutely, I mean, really feel them, then they no longer, you don't have to hide behind any one mask, yeah. because you know they're just fleeting like the clouds.
1: Yeah, and that's, so I'm always very highly suspicious of individuals that are really, really high on one end of the spectrum. You know, so when you when you meet someone, or really, you know, low or whatever that matter. But but when we meet someone that's like really over the tap, like that guy, that guy's just great. They're just amazing. Oh my, he's just so high oh Ah, you know, very often, like I'm not I'm not going to completely think that they're you know they have really dark, negative, potential, explosive ends to them. I'm not going to immediately jump to that. But I'm not surprised when I find that. You know, and oftentimes when we meet people that are really far on the end, on the end of the, high on the end of the spectrum of like happiness, Woo, I, I'm so conscious, I'm so happy, I'm so blah. And they feel the need to like point out to you how blank they are. It's because they're covering some dark, seedy stuff up. You know, and I think that what you're saying is, is a cool thing where it's like, recognizing that you know, this, the sky, the sky is joy, the sky is love, the sky is connection. You know, but in between that, I think it is easy to get blurred by a whole lot of different emotions. And sometimes, people that play in one end of the spectrum, really far on that end, they can play on the low, low end as well. Is that something that you've noticed at all with other people, with yourself? Like, what's that been?
0: Absolutely, I I think that the, you see. I I think it's it, it it's the obvious. I often use this coin analogy, and it should inspire great hope amongst your listeners because. If if you think if the heads in this coin if 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 we have a the head side of the coin if that represents all the beautiful things hope, positivity love abundance outstanding health and so on right. well then that's fine and that's all good but just for a moment the obsi observe, the observed side of the coin the tails in this analogy if I flip it what do you think you're going to find in this world of duality? Of course, you are going to find the opposite: sickness, lack of abundance, all the observed things. Now, don't be surprised at that. It's we live in the world of duality, and so therefore, if don't be surprised. It's 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 like a frequency, a spectrum. If there is happiness on one end, there of course will be sadness at the other. The important thing, again, I I have to emphasise is not to label one state or the other as being better but is one or the other more useful to your current condition Mm. because in actual fact there is a time or situations in one's life your life my life Aaron that happiness per se will be most uh, highly unproductive you know when (laughs) when when I was really involved rightly or wrongly in a competitive fight for me to, I'm so happy, that that would have got my face beaten in. Right. So the productive and prudent thing to do at that point was to get my mind engaged. And yes, call it negativity, call it just hypervigilant, but I got the job done. Yeah. Now, there was a time for happiness maybe in victory, but the point is select the right emotion, just be appropriate. And so don't think you're catching someone out because, oh, look, that person claims to be super positive, and yet he has moments of lowness. It's precisely because he feels moments of lowness <laughs> that he gets to experience the great joys. <laughs> Bring it on, I say. It, right. that, that, is, that is a true human being. Yeah. But as you rightly pointed out, the, the, the trick is that some people, that they, they use it as a, a, as a form of mask, but if you're trying to cover profound unhappiness or depression with a veneer of happiness. Note I said happiness and not joy. That is that's akin to putting a sticking a sticky plaster over a tumor. That's gonna do nothing. Right. So so you have to be very realistic and, and respect that. Respect respect the balance. Respect the yin and the yang. Yeah.
1: That's beautiful man. And it's you know, I think it's like in the realm of, of movement in your body, you know, so my, my niche is movement in the body, you know, it's like a spacious body, spaciousness in the joints, openness through your spine, having that full potential range of motion through your whole entire system. That's analogous with your emotional state. It's a similar, similar, similar thing. You know, having that expansiveness and that spaciousness allows, permits the adaptability into every circumstance. If there's someone come, coming into your house, you know, and they're threatening your family, it's time, to get, it's time to get mean. You know, it's, <laughs> there's, well, there, there's, there's a wide variety
0: there. <laughs> certain. I, I like what you say. i would even go one step further. I actually think that again, alluding to what I said earlier about the thought precedes the action, I actually think it's the, 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 the man or woman that is open emotionally that will actually find the correlation that their physical self becomes more supple, becomes yes, more absolutely. flexible. Yeah. And it's a beautiful thing. It's a, it's one and the same. Um, I, I recently, I forget who, who said it, but it was sort of like the body is the mind. Oh, man. And I found that so profound thinking about that. You see, before we, we have a way of, I, I can only speak for myself, but compartmentalizing everything. Yeah. So, you know, this is my work. We talk about masks earlier. It's a beautiful analogy. So this is my work face. This is how I am with my girlfriend or, or, or lover. This is how I am with my soccer colleagues on my sport We have all these different masks. And 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 it's like, again, it can create a schism because it's, who are you? Now, who I am now, I'm just love. So I don't have to be different with you, Aaron, as I am with my lovely parents, as I am with my beautiful wife, as I am with my neighbours. Right. It's all one and the same. And it makes life
1: so much more, dare I say,
0: enjoyable, a lot more simpler. And just more fluid to use that body analogy.
1: It's yeah. lovely. Yeah, and in, in relation to the body, I love that you mentioned that because that's my, you know, my favorite subject. You know, is we have if you look at like the, the amount of neurons in relation to connecting to our hands. You know, we have a higher concentration of neurons connecting to our hands than we do all the way through our arm, through our scapula, and even including the right side that or that same side of our leg, right? Same. So it's like when you look, and we think of like when you shake somebody's hand. You know, and you feel what's happening. And that, does it feel soft? Does it feel supple? Does it feel strong? Does it feel, you know, rigid? You know, yes. it's like the, just that initial contact. And we get this from just watching somebody. But even when you come into connecting, like physically connecting with somebody, yes. feeling someone, that's yes. a huge deal. That it, it's, a, it's, I mean, and when it comes down to business or anything, understanding oh. where someone's coming from, from that is, is, is massive. You know, and understanding oh. it's like, matching someone's handshake. What is that? That's adaptability. That's spaciousness in your body. That's spaciousness in your mind, in your emotional self, so you can receive how that person's feeling. How would they want to receive a handshake from you, a physical contact from you? If you don't have that spaciousness in your emotional self, it's going to be really, really tough to channel those neurons into your hand to say, oh, I can be supple with this movement right now and you can receive me as being someone that's congruent with you, which translates yes. to someone that you like. Oh, this is it's so well said. This is extraordinary because not not so
0: beautifully put at the time, but I realized this, believe it or not, in my work on The Door. Oh, yeah. Because as Absolutely. I began to read people, sometimes just through a simple a gesture, so it was a, it was a form of peacekeeping, but when I could read so much about a potential foe through the handshake. As you say, that lack of flexibility, even today, where sometimes I go in for a hug, and I appreciate, you know, particularly amongst the British, I can say it, I am one. We're very, whoa, no, no, thank right, you. Right. But the point is, with respect, and I sat with great love, that does hearken to a form of a dam of emotions. The more open you are, what's a hug? A hug's beautiful. But as you say, so much we can read through how we act. And as you say, it has parallels into the business world and and, and all sorts. But I, I do find that fascinating how energetically I could actually, I could gauge somebody's intent to do me harm before they had even raised a finger. Mm-hmm. So what's going on there, as you say, is a lot of synapses, neurons being fired, a lot of an energetic field going on. Right. And this was all before, again, why though? I have to back up to this. Because the intention, the thought, preceded the action. And in the end, I began to read the intent, the intent to harm me before the physical manifestation of that. And that really, well, that's what really excited me, Aaron. Because then I began to play with it. Because... Towards the end of my career, although I got bored with just hurting people physically, beating them physically, that's what I began to play with. The intent, beginning to read, almost know what they were doing before they were doing it. Right. And this is just a, a fascinating subject in and of itself. But, but this is the energetic body we're now discovering
1: as well. And so you're getting, you're, you're getting into a pretty heavy-duty subject of, of you know, the filters that people are wearing. You know, and so that's the thing. So you growing up, you're struggling for life, you know, and then you have, I heard you mentioning some other story of someone like pushing their finger into your chest, telling you that you are, you're not good enough or you're, you're, you're going to be nothing. You know, you, you have all of that. And even me, maybe you're totally passive now, but maybe even me hearing, hearing me say this stuff might trigger certain things into you likely. I mean, I, I feel that myself when there's certain things that people might say that I'm like, I'm past that. You know, but then it's like you hear it. And it's like, oh, I recognize that. That's, that's something that I've been kind of, you know, replaying or feeling. You know, I, we do that with these filters. You know, so then it's like if you got beat as a child, you know, every time your dad raises his hand up, ah! you know, you've been myelinated. You've been hardwired to receive. Every time someone goes up for a high five, you say, oh, my God, get down. He's about to punch me in the face. You yeah. Know, so also, it's like that. Yeah. that's the interesting thing is how do we get down to that differentiation of am I seeing everything through a threat filter, you yes. know, or am I seeing everything through a delusional filter or, you know, or is this the reality? And it's yes. like, who's to say like this? I could be completely insane right now and I could be in an insane asylum and this conversation could be in my mind, you know, like, the, like Aaron Alexander podcast, whatever. I could be like you know, have my like hand in my butt and like have a lollipop, you know, like that's that could be happening right now. How do we differentiate what's a filter and what's the actual reality of the situation? Is that, is that well, crazy to ask?
0: It's not, a, not at all. It's, it's a profoundly eloquent question because uh, the, the filters, they, they will gradually subside. They will gradually subside once you begin checking in Yourself, because what we do see—that's all external. All that all that noise, miasma. That's all external. So you mentioned that. Oh, just because somebody raised their hand in the past—that not necessarily automatically, but that can preempt a certain reaction. Indeed, it can. But what I found more interesting was I—I had the same. You could say filters. I perceived everyone as a potential threat, and and yet. What I did was just lay down, if you like, if you neural plasticity, just new, new, new habits. New, new thoughts origin, uh, originally, but new habits. Right. So, and also, it's about, it's about tapping into what, what's real. Now, you say, what is real? I think it's getting, listening to oneself because so much of this is external-based. So, so even, I mean, it even gets down to, like, like films. So, you know, we, we, people listen to film critics. Be, oh, this film's a load of rubbish why don't you listen why don't you go and watch it yourself and make up your own mind there's a revolutionary idea and I mentioned that to mention this make up your own mind about what you're feeling so much of what this is serious what, we, what you're, you think you're feeling that that's an inherited sort of or you've been told how to feel whether it's by the radio or by the TV or by your lover, your partner, your parent As you, as you quite rightly said Aaron What is it that you feel about the situation? And I think that one of the ways to get that, to to really tap into that, is to get quiet. And and there is a time to shut off from all external distraction and just find out what on earth is going on with yourself, check in with you. Yes, it can seem a scary place. I don't say it lightly. But we've got to start eliminating distraction and, and finding out what is real to us. Otherwise, you'll be in a constant state of reacting and I think again that's there's a time for that but that's like when you're a little boy a little girl for now I think that great masters they create they don't react so I actually create this scenario so you said yes we could be in an insane insane asylum but we're not because my intention my creativity we created this by virtue of being here through love through positivity through a strong intention it wasn't born of madness and that's the beautiful difference the intention it's on a different frequency.
1: Yeah, I love it. Right. <laughs> so if I didn't talk to you about the whole bare knuckle fighting thing, that this would be that would be just a disgrace to have you here and not chat about it. You no, know, so I wonder. Like I don't. That's something that not a lot of people know too much about. Like what's what's training for bare knuckle fighting look like? like you know, it's, I have like minimal experience training jiu-jitsu and some Muay Thai and stuff like that, where it's like, we have pads, you know, I get like kicked in the stomach sometimes or punched in the face, but it's like, you know, I have, I have two inches of padding in between that. Like I'm I'm a total Nancy, you know, in comparison (laughs) to training for bare knuckle fight. So like what is, how does one physically and mentally prepare for a bare knuckle fight? And uh, I guess just, just that, like what's training for bare knuckle fighting like? Well I can't talk about
0: anyone else's. I can only talk about my own and mine has always been I dare say very untypical because I was quite lucky in, in some of my martial arts training i I had and for me you see i don't I don't um, find distinction amongst or whether it was fighting in the ring or in the field with gloves or without whether it was a cage fight or with rules or without rules. For me, it was all like a dance with life. Yeah. And I was very, very lucky at an early age to, to be told by someone, you know, I, of course, like every young man, I thought, well, it's the fist that delivers the blow, it's the fist that has the power. And he said, no, James, it's from the, the energy is from the ground. Now how that's translated, like the beautiful work you do, is in the efficiency and economical movement of the body. So, long before this lever even gets near you and delivers that so-called knockout blow to your chin, uh, temple, or maybe a liver shot, kidney shot, the energy is transferred efficiently through the toes, through the correct pivoting of the ankle, up through the knee, through the hip and the glutes, long before... here. Now, this is profound because... It excited me because hang on, it's not just, just, just punching. And also, we haven't even begun to tap upon the inner game. For me, that was where I won every single fight long before I showed up, long, long before. Because such, a, now, it came from a different place, admittedly, because such was my unhappiness at times. Right. When other people said, oh, I'm prepared to die there, at the end, they didn't. At the end of the day, they were there for their mates. They were there for some money. They were there for maybe a bit of glory or to show off to their boys or their girlfriend. But don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong, Aaron. They wanted to go home at the end of the day. They wanted to go home to their sofa, watch a film, nice and warm, put the kettle on. I, at one point, didn't give a...
1: Right.
0: So when I say I was prepared to leave my life, that I was... And most people, I believe, they could see that in my eyes. So let's get it right. The battle was won. It was won in the head long before I ever stepped, long before I bunched up my fist. And that's very interesting. So how I trained for it Hmm. was I didn't call it meditation at the time, but I used to, I suppose it was a form of what an elite athlete would call visualization. I went through the fight in my mind. I always saw the opponent as like a, a nameless shadow. But I would literally go up against him, go up. Sometimes I'd concentrate on like a candle with such intensity. Every flicker of the candle, I would imagine that my speed would have to keep up with that flickering candle. Mm. And lo and behold, it helped my reflexes. It helped my martial my conditioning. And, of course, you did a lot of the more basic physical stuff hundreds hundreds and hundreds nay thousands of press-ups sit-ups punching the walls punching trees anything hard and inanimate to, to conditions one hands and um... and skipping you know tens and tens of hours of skipping and just becoming very hard very very hard but also like the true old samurai the samurai of old also some of the more softer the yin and the yang so i did a lot of flexibility a lot of stretching so my muscles were loose and most most effective. So yeah, it's a real balance between hard and soft techniques.
1: Awesome man. And that's there's I am spacing the, the general's name, but there I think it was the American general guy. And before they would go into battle, the story is that they'd burn all the bridges. Do you have you heard that story before? Oh absolutely
0: yes. You know? and, I it think, and it was like we cannot retreat. Right. Because you have no option <laughs> 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 No now that seems very dangerous but i love that because it relates to something that will smith said and and i i i really like his attitude about so many things and and he actually said that energetically if you all again this um, i hope will provide some value to your listeners if they haven't heard it but he said energetically if you even have a plan b it's as if you don't believe in your plan a enough right and I, again, I use the analogy just like you said, Custer and that, he burnt his bridges, so he had to advance. And sometimes I think we entertain, we're not serious enough about our goals, whether they be fitness or fiscal, financial, whatever. We're not serious. And so we go, oh, if that doesn't work out, I've got this nice, safe, practical job. I may hate it, but it's dependable. Yeah. And I just say, like, believe in yourself, go for it. Right. Go for it flat out. And, and, and I do now for my clients, I used that same intensity that I, I brought to the ring or to the to the fight world with, with with um self-developing myself and helping others, helping others change their life. Because again it's that strong intent to do so.
1: Yeah. Did you say it was General Custard that did that? I, I don't know if it was okay. Custard or okay. Custard. <laughs> custard, whatever. I love custard. I'll love me some custard. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I'm not that good with American history, but I love treats. So yeah, I, <laughs> I, I prefer custard.
0: Custard sounds even better. He sounds more badass to me.
1: <laughs> so, uh, so with the bare knuckle fighting, it's it's essentially cockfighting. You know, it's essentially it's essentially you know like dog fighting or cockfighting or human fighting. It's a, it really seems like a really similar concept when you look at it. So uh, the degree of like when I've, when you go to a cockfight or to a dogfight or whatever, it's pretty dark, seedy place, and there's a lot of gambling, and it's a lot of you know like sometimes they like mafioso this or that. Like, was that kind of like the the setting with your bare knuckle fights, or what was what was the setting setting like? You know,
0: so, so the environment wasn't always um, very glorious, you know. <laughs> it was what it was I mean let's be honest I mean sometimes it, it it was it was dire we're talking about a level of consciousness here with respect I can say I participated in it it, it, it it's very Neanderthal like and it's right. grim it's dirty it attracts a particular underclass right. and um, yeah of course criminality and everything that goes with it can be attracted to it the gambling is enormous um and yeah, some of the settings i mean what you know we're not talking about it's not like the madison square gardens it right. could be a you know a, a ravaged farm in the middle of nowhere an wow. isolated um field you know a, a dirty car park strewn with unmentionables and <laughs> you know i mean it, it is what it it is what it is but again what i think what's more interesting for me is the transformation in 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 mind state yeah. because That represented uh, a particular way I now realize how I felt about myself. My self-image was so low, I mean lower than my shoes, it manifests. This is why people don't believe, but thoughts literally do become things. I thought so negatively and and, and so so grim, as you you write, I I literally created nightclubs, fields full of, uh, all sorts of uh, salubrious characters and the like. But interestingly, since that's changed, since my mind has become more positive, those places, of course, still exist, but not for me. Right. All I do is create beauty and meet people like yourself, positive, doing good things. And th- this is the difference. But So it is important as a reference point to to say the power of the mind and how we can change. Yeah. And moreover, again, like many people have said before me, but it, it is worth repeating because if I can do it, there is no excuse for others. I mean, there really is. And and moreover, if somebody is not starting from such a uh, uh, a trifling point, uh, you know, of, of entry, how much more can they ascend? You know, the, the
1: consciousness ladder or less, man. You know, and that's the thing is, I, I think that you know, when you look at so look at like a lot of like drug dealers, a lot of like kingpin drug dealers are phenomenal businessmen or women. You know, a lot, it's like pe- a lot of people and that's, you know, that's one example. But then as well, it's like, if you don't have anything to fight for, yeah. you end up kind of being soft. You know, there's no reason for you to, you, you're wearing floaties all your life. There's no reason to learn to swim. Yeah, you know, not- and, it's like, and I think that that's why I have a lot of interest in, in talking to people that have, you know, more dire pasts like yourself, where it's like you are tapping in and you were able to do that so well. That relates to everything. You're just transmitting that energy into that specific medium, but you're unlimited with the potential of of the mediums that you can dance in. If you can dance in one, you can dance in most all of them. And that's the thing that you can't train in a fighter. That's the thing you can't train in a teacher. You know, it's like if someone can really move and someone can really read somebody, you don't teach that to a fighter. That's something that they have and they've developed through all this. You know, there's this really interesting study that I may or may not have mentioned here before, where um, military guys, people that are, are uh, looking for bombs, whatever bomb, whatever, whatever that, the term for that is, the guys that are looking for bombs in Iraq or whatever, you know, what they notice is that people that grew up in uh, hunting environments, like they, as a kid, they used to hunt all the time, you know, in rural <laughs> environments, they yeah. were really good at spotting the bombs. You know, and then the other people that were good at spotting the bombs through the cities and such were uh, people that grew up in dangerous city environments because they grew up always watching their back. You know, mm-hmm. they grew up always saying, oh, like, oh, is that guy going to mug me? Oh, is that, da- 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 da? you know, that's they didn't have floaties on, you that's- know. So I think that the people out there that may, you know, be listening, that's like. You were raised in an environment with no flotation device, and you—it's you, easy to think like, "Oh, I don't have—you know—everything's against me." Whatever it is, that's that's BS. You know, you are inherently very likely stronger than all the people that were given the Corvette and given the—you know—the yeah. the, their house was rented to them and all that stuff. You know what I'm you know, it's, it's a
0: very good—I I do understand because put very succinctly, um, it is—it's it, adversity promotes. It, it, greatness. It can certainly bring it out in you. Sure. And, and yeah, I, I take your point because I concede it because I've seen it in my own life. Obstacles, they they, they do sharpen. They sharpen the blade. Yeah. And the blade I'm referring to is, of course, the mind. Right. And, and I think you're right. You, you do, I mean, in your own like the exams you've taken, the level of knowledge you have gone out and acquired to do what you do so well, to, to understand completely the body, its manipulation for our, our, our optimal health, that takes perseverance, persistence, and a bit of tenacity. And as you say, that doesn't come easy. Uh, it doesn't come easy. And so, yeah, I do absolutely take your point. There is a degree, I believe, of a, because of course, and it differs for each individual, Aaron, but there can be a tipping point where too much stress or adversity, mm-hmm. to use another word, yeah. that can actually break an individual. Great. And I think you know, we have to be very careful there because you know in my former life as a, a personal trainer, physically, I don't do that so much, but what like, you could do very ably and could be within your comfort zones, that could actually physically break somebody new to exercise. Sure. And all of the shouting and motivational speaking in the world won't get that obese person currently to do a hundred push-ups. Right. So we have to be very careful, as you know, with the the, the timeline or the you know the stress we put upon
1: one. You know, did you personally ever come to a definitive breaking point where it's like I'm either dead or like I, I can't I can't go on with this? Was there some kind of you know ninety degree turn for you, or was it more of a, a, a circular evolution kind of feeling?
0: Yeah, it's it's the latter because everyone asked me. I think a lot of people would like, again, because it's particularly in the West, we all want that that highlight, that, that money shot. It would be right. so easy for me to go, oh, yes, Aaron, the clouds parted and I heard the trumpets of heaven and it was all so easy. I wish I could say that. Right. It has been really jolly hard. I mean, bloody hard. It's been, you know, hours of self, hundreds of hours of self-introspection, many, many books read and just real getting honest with oneself so there wasn't a single defining moment however there were many hundreds along the way many uh, examples where I almost lost my life lost good friends so these these were all tipping points I just didn't know it at the time yeah. it's like somebody once told me a beautiful thing it's almost like you have to live your life uh, in reverse so it's only now I can see the sense that the tapestry, the beautiful tapestry of life, at the time it was complete madness, complete chaos, complete depression, sadness, anger, violence. I could say where where is the sense in that Aaron? However, I did not have a true perspective. Now with hindsight, I needed to go through that to help others. You know, I, I wouldn't be very congruent. You know, the knowledge I've got isn't just read out of a book. It's been hard won, you know, right. and that's why I'm getting an uh, increasing audience. People listen to me, and uh, and that's great. Yeah. But but as you say, it's um it's a very interesting topic, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. So you had mentioned um, I, I don't know where I heard it, but you had mentioned one point that used to derive great joy out of that feeling of knocking somebody unconscious, you know. And I understand that feeling. Of, it's like. What it does in my experience with that, not that I've knocked a lot of people unconscious, but, but, but my, just my sense that it doesn't need to be, that could be a metaphor for anything. The feeling yes. of defeat, someone yes. else. You know? yeah. I am big, you are small. I am strong, you are weak. I am great, you are nothing. You know? And what that is at the core is insecurity. You yes. know? And what that, what that is is now I am validating my experience because I knocked you the freak out. You know? And you're laying on the ground, bud you know, and I'm still standing, that means I've validated myself for myself, right? And so it's the same thing coming from the mask, it's a superficial, weak, fragile foundation or foundationless, you know, and it's an interesting thing how our culture is with that, you know, I think it like, l- like me living in the United States of America, home of the nuclear weapons, it's like, we are, you know, this maybe is, is controversial, but I think we are the world's most dangerous terrorist. You know, if you look at what we have done pound for pound, you know, I was watching a documentary last night on, like, uh, Nagasaki and Hiroshima. Holy crap! You know, like, you know, like, decimating, you know, atomic shadows of human beings, the innocent, the people going to work, people have no relation to this battle or whatever the heck it is that we're fighting. Boof, Full decimation, you know? And then we look back at what happens, happen, what's happening here on the home front. Woo! Japs go you know back down. We won the war. We're the best. We're the best. What is that? You know, it's, it's like that at a, at, a, at a macro level is a representation of your experience and many other people's experience at the micro level. I think. Does that, does that make sense?
0: Absolutely. That is beautifully said. That, that is precisely what I see, and, and it is, you know, in the micro and the macro because we see it played out in the world. It is no coincidence that the more fearful and scared an individual is, the more fearful, scared, angry and violent the society is nay his country. And that's what we see. That's what we see. It's all projected. And when, you know, different Carl Jung and everyone, they talk about archetypes. And what I found, only, again, I can talk in my experience, the, it was as if, you know, in knocking others down, although they may have literally fallen to the ground, it was almost as if only for me, I had to do that in order for my consciousness to be raised. And it seems a dreadful dichotomy because you go, well, surely, James, couldn't there be a more intellectual manner in which you could have come to that same realization? And maybe there could have been. Could have been I'm money. just saying, yeah, I'm just saying <laughs> for me, for me, that was, I, I could see firsthand the ill negative effects of violence. I mean, the, the parallels are stark. You talk to any half, you know, halfway sane soldiers, when they return, what do they say? They, they they, abhor war. They are against war. And they've seen first, not the politicians who don't go over there, not all the, the warmongers and the big business, let's get it right, that's behind the war, because you know, it is a business. You see, no, they don't see it firsthand. And again, it's projection and it's masks. We're high behind the veneer of civility. You know, like the man that goes to work, you know, in a suit and tie, and yet is dreadful to his wife and kids behind closed doors, and it, this, in a wonderful way, comes full circle, like so many things in life. Aaron it's what we were talking about at the top of the show: masks. If you do away with masks, if you do away with naming other emotions as good or bad, and more, you know, than others, just get to the real essence. Really, be honest with yourself, and then you see all of this need to be better than anyone anyone else is bs right. be better than who you were yesterday that's really exciting that's the energy had that's the real war that needs to go on the war within because until that's mastered we will continually project we will find another vietnam another enemy another japanese as you are currently in iraq or wherever's next and that's all projection why because we're too scared to go within
1: yeah, in, in in reference to the analogy of like countries, you know, the macro level, it's like I think as well that the United States, it's we're kind of like the untrusting neurotic girlfriend. You know, it's like we're <laughs> we're installing cameras and we're watching, you know, it's like you look at like the CIA, look at like, you know, our intelligence, central intelligence agency, it's like like all the work that we're doing to spy on the world, spy on ourselves, develop our military industrial complex, big strong, scary. You know, it's like all that work that we're doing, it's like, what are we covering up? You know, like, where is this insecurity coming from? Why can't we trust anyone? The inability to trust others is coming from yourself. It's coming from the core root of not trusting yourself, you know, of being, you know, burned in the past, being scarred, whatever it may be. You know, and again, it's that filter. And I think that us as a country and many other countries, but like we're the, obviously the more apparent one. You know, it's like we're wearing this filter of trust no one. You know, it's like when I went, I did this big old motorcycle trip. I went through Mexico and Central America and all over the place. I was going for seven months and people treated me amazingly, incredibly. I was sleeping in people's backyards. I was like all over the place. They were treating me to breakfast. And it's just like, they're like, oh, my God, come in, come in, come in. This is great. As soon as I got to Texas, they're like, Freeze! You know, like, <laughs> we're searching everything. What, you got cocaine in your butt? Like, what you got? You know what I'm, and I'm like, thing. are you freaking, get, like I'm an American, god dang it. Yeah. You know? And so I'm curious from your perspective, like how did you get over that obstacle of starting to actually be able to trust?
0: Gosh, that, that's a big question.
1: That, that was quite a, a lengthy process.
0: I, I think as you say, you hit the nail on the head in part, certainly. Uh, it, it gradually dawned on me that I had to, for my own san- sanity, Nate, start trusting myself, start really trusting in my ability to positively change and to harness my energy for something more productive as I saw it then and still do now than I was currently doing at the time. I, I wanted to be. I, I wanted to stop fighting. I was a man at war with himself, of course, first and foremost, and just projected it. So I wanted to be, I wanted to be peace. And and that started in part at, at, at trusting, trusting that I actually could live harmoniously with myself and others. Now, again, that wasn't overnight. I still stumble. Of course, I, I'm a human being, not a robot. But it did start with that, as you rightly say, you know, with the you used a lovely analogy with America, so distrustful. And, of course, that's because it really it can't trust itself. Right. I mean, but as you say, I'll stick to the point. Yeah, it, 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 it took a, it was a lengthy change, and, but it was, it was trusting that I really could, being brave, and trusting that I could make a positive change, and, and really just be back in myself, I suppose.
1: So was there, so I guess with that as well as an evolution, was there any, as far as, because I think that's something that's, that's a really apparent one, you know, for, from my perspective at least, coming from this, this country that I live in, which, you know, I love America. I, I think like as far as landscape-wise, the United States is one of the coolest places on earth. You know, as far as the, 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 the quality of human beings that we have in this place, one of the coolest places on earth. Like the, the, the United States is great. Yeah. Right? But along with that, we have a, a massive amount of responsibility because we have so much flipping power, yes. you know, and along with that, it's very, very easy for us to cat- be catastrophic with our mess-ups. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> you know, so I don't want to be, like, completely anarchy, you know, like, no. like tinfoil hat-wearing guy, like, that was the republic or whatever, <laughs> you know, yeah. but... You know, so uh, I don't know what I was talking about. Oh, so as far as actionable steps for developing that trust for others, I think that that's a thing in relationships. It's like, I don't know if I want to be emotionally vulnerable to you. I can't trust blah, blah. Like, is there anything actionable that you can kind of offer? It's okay if not. It's a tough subject.
0: It is. It's, 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 it's what, uh, gosh, there's a, a face that I've spent my whole life doing now. It, 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 it's fear-facing. It's fear-facing. And, and it's actually, particularly for men, we struggle with the very concept of being vulnerable. You think vulnerable? I'd rather, I don't know, being ex- exposed as a, a love cheat rather than that. I mean, right. it's terrifying. It's right. terrifying for most people, but particularly men, particularly males, young males in the West. Yeah. Being vulnerable seems the complete opposite of what you spoke about, being tough, right. being the man. No, what I found is, is that the very art of, dare I say it, like your salvation in terms of your mind, your mental development, your intellect, it is in the art of being vulnerable. Yeah. Because it's the real seeming dichotomy again, but if you can be vulnerable, vulnerable with another person, you know, vulnerable with your spouse, vulnerable with your girlfriend or boyfriend. And and there is a profound energy there. Again, we go back to talking about energy. But far from having your walls up, as I did for so much of my life, which all it did was shut people out, shut people out that really loved me. But because I, I, was, I was afraid, I couldn't trust myself, you pushed them all away. Once I started letting the walls down very gradually, and some of the actionable steps I did was literally just fear hunting. Going at some of the things, standing on the door, you know, the, you know, coming up against all sorts of drunk and violent crazies. Right. That was terrifying. But what I learned about myself is extraordinary. And I, I will never, I could never get that from anywhere else. Now, I'm not saying, of course, Aaron, everyone has to do that. But in your own small way, it, go out and face combat, challenge some of the fears that you do have. I think it's quite important and um, it, it's definitely worth looking
1: at definitely worth looking at awesome man so how do people that's so, such a fun conversation by the way how do people find you how do people learn more about your work how do people get connected well thank you uh, my website is
0: www.jameslambertcoaching.co.uk. Um, I am on Twitter I believe it's mr. happy 79 uh, mr. happy underscore seven mr. nine happy, yeah underscore um, what else? I have got a Facebook public page that's continuing to grow. That's just under my name, James Lambert. I'd be honoured if people could have a look and like it I if see. it you know, provides any value. They're the probably the three main ways of getting in touch. Oh, my YouTube channel as well. That that's slowly growing, and uh, yeah, just under the name James Lambert again. And that's they're probably the main ways really. Oh, I've got lots of um. There's a few books as well on Amazon, just under the name James Lambert. Um, I have got a few children's ones, um, children's books under, I think that is Mr. Happy Seven Nine. And yeah, just you could Google me. It's all out there. Nice. And um, yeah, I'd love to hear from your listeners.
1: Awesome, man. Yeah, I, I greatly appreciate your story. And um, it's just so nice, like I said, to, to chat with somebody that's come from a background that isn't just all, you know, smiley cupcakes. It's really. Oh, I wish it was. It's really. No, no, you don't. I know you don't. Line podcast. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. I greatly appreciate your comments and your shares in iTunes. They determine the ranking and the visibility of the show and they make me smile. So I look forward to reading those guys. Be sure to check out the website aligntherapy.com that's A-L-I-G-N therapy.com on there. You can find my blog. You can find this podcast, more information about the topics and the, and the uh, guests that we've had on the show. You can find hundreds of absolutely free